0: least not rationally. Pirates have had a heck of a week. Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds starting in the All-Star game, the big comeback at City Field against the Mets just before that, and the draft. But is there such a thing as too much? Too much. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. Throughout the week, over the three days of the draft, Ben Charrington, Steve Sanders, everybody involved with the organization has made it very clear that the franchise's priority, not just with the draft, but in general, in building their system, is to go for high-ceiling type quality and then to graft onto that the concept of quantity, meaning get a lot of players who can be really good. That's it. If they miss and high-ceiling prospects also can be high risk because they have some kind of flaw. They have something that's there that might go wrong that isn't as predictable as, say, if you draft Frazier. Frazier is actually a good example. Frazier, seventh-round pick. Frazier was seen as, as a guy who was a pretty safe bet to make it through the minors and, and, uh, and up to the majors in large part because he's got that baseball build. He could play multiple positions, and he has that compact, repeatable swing. Now, never mind that once Frazier did make it, the greatest strike against him was his rampant inconsistency, meaning he'd be a house on fire like he's been all year this year, but he'd also be weak, good, weak, bad, weak, good, weak, bad. Frazier was a guy that you could basically bet on. He's a safe pick. Ben Charrington has not really gone for those. There are some that are. I feel like Henry Davis, the first rounder, is going to fit that category. And I feel the same way about Nick Gonzalez, the first rounder from last year. I don't feel like there was any great risk taken by management with either guy. They got the top hitter, by all accounts, in the NCAA who was draft eligible both years. That's kind of playing it safe. But if you look at some of the trades that he's made, some of the acquisitions from the outside, uh, these are these are ceiling guys. They're ceiling guys. And you have to have a lot of them in order for this to work. Because you can look at an O'Neal Cruz, for example, and say, well, he's 6'7", and he's got... Light tower power, but he's a shortstop, and we don't know what to do with that. Still, you know, you could have a 6'7 first baseman, but then you're wasting that rocket arm. This is kind of what I'm talking about, although with Cruz, I could be talking about high ceiling, and it would be a literal conversation, but I digress. This team could face a strange issue here in fairly short order, of having too many prospects. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by the North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's the home to stake on a stone. It's the home to the planet's only fully dedicated Pittsburgh Baseball Club sports bar, wall-to-wall, Left to right, up and down, Pirates memorabilia, every which way you look, and it's like that all the time. It doesn't switch up for Steelers games. It's a baseball place. Come check out North Shore Tavern across Federal Street from PNC Park. The Rule 5 draft was put into place so that teams couldn't hoard prospects. This is, of course, the draft that produced Roberto Clemente and on a much lower scale but nonetheless notable Jose Bautista. Lots of other players have come out of Rule 5. And all that happens in the Rule 5 is that teams are permitted to protect X number of prospects, and all the rest are just left out there to be plucked away. Well, If you're the Pirates and you're investing capital, whether it's draft capital, whether it's trade capital, whatever it is, the last thing you want to do is have so many of these prospects that December comes around, it's the winter meetings, and everyone's lined up to raid your system. Those of you who go way back with this team will recall that This actually once happened to Dave Littlefield, and it was the source of huge embarrassment for everybody involved. Because as they're sitting there, one team goes first and says, we'll take this player from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Next team comes up, we'll take this player from the Pittsburgh Pirates. And by the time it got to the third or fourth one and everybody's taking Pirates, the room, which was filled with their peers... Other executives was quite literally laughing out loud while the Pirates table was not. If you remember anything at all about Littlefield, it's that he didn't exactly come equipped with a sense of humor. You can't have something like that happen again, not just because of the embarrassment, not just because people like me and you would remind everybody about how this happened to Littlefield and his crew, but infinitely more important because you're going out of your way to get these prospects. I don't know what the magic number is. I don't know what's the cutoff point. I have not gone through all of the player info and data to see who needs to be protected, who doesn't, how much AAA, how much AA, how much lower players haven't been in the system long enough to need to be protected. That's a job for Charrington and Sanders and everybody else in their system. But it's a real thing. And now that you have this draft and everybody's clamoring for all these players to be signed, especially the the top four picks, all of whom showed up in Baseball America's top 32 on the final draft board, you got to understand that at some point they're going to be squeezing other prospects out. That's one of the dangers of having too many of them in the lower levels as opposed to more spread out in the miners this is going to become easier to manage over time as actual prospects make it to indianapolis we'll see how that goes we'll see how it goes i, I just want to throw that out there as a, as like a semi caution flag here that there's only so much of this that you can do there's only so many of these acquisitions that you can add there's only so many veteran for prospect trades that you can make before you've got to make even tougher decisions along the way when we come back just one question entry comes from ben weiner who asks how does major league baseball compare to the other major sports in preventing and managing injuries and how do the pirates compare within mlb i get that contact injuries are unavoidable but aren't there preventive training things to do to prevent soft tissue and arm injuries well Ben, as soon as you throw arm injuries into the equation, you're getting way out of the realm of uh, standard soft tissue, uh, pulled groin, strained to hammy type of injuries. As a point of reference, I can tell you that the athletic trainers with whom I've spoken over the years in all sports will tell you that if they can get through a season with their athletes not pulling up lame at first base, uh, not clutching the hammy or the groin, uh, these are the injuries that they feel are the most preventable, to borrow from your term. They feel that these can be addressed First through the obvious things, stretching and and nutrition and so forth, but way more just by staying hydrated. Uh, To throw another reference at everybody that kind of goes way back, Chris Duffy was a Pirates somewhat enigmatic center fielder uh, late in the 2000s. Constantly was having groin injuries, constantly came back to the fact that he just wasn't hydrated enough, and the Pirates were ordering him when he would come back in from center field in some hot stadium, just just do this, just take the fluids down. Take... It became something where he was pretty much told at gunpoint that he had to make sure that he wasn't drying up. The Pirates, where they rank, I haven't seen a number for that sort of thing. You, besides, when you look at man games lost to injury and that kind of thing, the uh, Time spent on the DL and so forth, it can be misleading because you can also have players who are complete nobodies showing up on those lists and inflating the numbers. I would say that for the most part, in my own judgment, that the Pirates in 2021 have had a couple of significant disappointments. One in particular is Colin Moran. Some of it has been rotten luck. Uh, when you get hit by a pitch, uh, and it breaks a bone in your hand, that's not something the athletic trainer could have prevented, or anybody could have. But when Moran also missed a significant amount of time to a strained groin, and he's already not the most nimble-slash-athletic type, it it can raise some eyebrows. Uh, For the most part, though, you look around the diamond and you ask yourself, you know, who are the guys who've gotten hurt, who matter? Well, Brian Hayes opened to the season with that wrist injury. Again, non-preventable type of thing. But the main guys, Frazier, Brian Reynolds, Jacob Stallings. Uh, Yeah, I stopped there, didn't I? Yeah, it's like all of them, but they've been healthy. And the Pirates really, other than Stephen Brault, haven't had significant pitching issues uh, as far as injuries go either Uh, their guys have have been in there other than chad cool's blisters and whatever so let's put it this way ben long story short they're okay at it uh long story shorter this year the guys that you really really want to have out there for the most part have been out there i appreciate the question i appreciate everybody listening to daily shot of pirates we'll do this again tomorrow